Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is Joanna Koho and I'm your host for this episode. Now, in each episode of the Parent Ed Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life, and much, much more. And we'll be speaking with everyday parents as well as uh, expert practitioners as they share with us their experiences and also practical ideas. And we hope that you'll keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as parents. Now, today uh, I have a, 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 an exciting couple guests line up for us. Uh, we're going to talk about kids' ages and marriage stages. Uh, and before we jump into the discussion, let me just introduce them. They are two legal professionals, two lawyers. Um, um, they are actually also colleagues. They go to the same uh, workplace every day. Well, actually, now that's work from home. They So they see uh, each other 24-7. Uh, I, I guess that would be quite interesting to hear how you survive in your marriage all these years while being lawyers. Uh, you know, what they say about lawyers. <laughs> I don't know what they say about lawyers. Yeah. And, and being, you know, uh, married to each other at the same time. Yeah. Um, and they have two children, um, now already age 16 and 22. They are also master trainers of the PrEP Marriage Education Program endorsed by the Registry of Marriages. And they regularly conduct marriage preparation courses, uh, marriage mentoring. Um, they've also been conducting um, marriage uh, training uh, for Focus on the Family Singapore. And so uh, we want to welcome Boaz and his lovely wife, Claire. Welcome Hi. to Paranet Podcast. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having us uh, on the show. Yeah, maybe you'd like to share a little about uh, how long have you guys been married and, and just give us a glimpse of your your love journey. Okay, I'll, I'll let Claire do this part just in case I get it wrong and then I get myself in trouble. So it's easier <laughs> if, she, if she recounts the whole story. Okay, so we have been married exactly 24 and a half years now so i've done a bit of calculation so that comes up to 294 months 1281 weeks and 250,267 hours we've been married together yeah but who's counting right yeah who's counting <laughs> but uh <laughs> i can't believe we've been married this long actually <laughs> yeah the time flies the time flies yeah, we got married back in 1996 after a relatively short courtship. Uh, you know, I took one look at Claire and I said, this is the, the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. You know, and uh, so one of the first things we did uh, quite early on in the relationship was to actually attend marriage preparation class uh, just to ensure that we get all the fundamentals right. Uh, okay. And then we were married um, about a year later. And then uh, about two years later, that's when we had our first child. All right. So how, how long exactly was your short courtship period? Okay. Not for the faint-hearted. Uh, less than a year. <laughs> okay, that's not too bad. I thought like, you know, you had took one look at Claire and decided, well, she's the girl and you proposed to her next. No, no, but you had to attend marriage preparation yeah. class. <laughs> yes, that's right. was, yeah, was that uh, attending marriage preparation class, was that before or after uh, Boaz, you decided that Claire was the one? I think it's when we both felt that, uh, yeah, you know, we were headed in that direction. But rather than waste time, uh, you know, just uh, 
dating first and things like that, we thought, go and learn uh, about marriage. Uh, what are the things that we need to uh, get right as far as our fundamentals are concerned? And so, um, you know, the course was opening up at the uh, community that we're in. And uh, so we signed up, learned a lot, uh, managed to deal with some of the issues. And I think it was just the right timing. So sometimes we do recommend that uh, uh, that couples actually take the opportunity to, it doesn't mean that you're going to get married straight away, but it does mean that it gives you an opportunity to find out uh, what are the things that you need to address in your relationship uh, before it goes any further. I would say that um, when we went for a marriage education course, it was, we were not decided yet as to whether we should get married or whether this is the one. In fact, it was the other way around. We wanted to go for marriage education course to trash out all these issues and then see if we were really the ones for one another and to see if yeah, we were ready. Right. Yeah. So that was more uh, our purpose and intention in going for it. And of course, we've seen a lot of friends who have uh, suffered shipwrecked uh, shipwrecked in their marriages. And so this is something we did. We knew that marriage is not something you enter into lightly and we wanted to make sure that we uh, be responsible in making the right decisions and take the responsibility of going for classes as well and seeing what there is to offer uh, in terms of um, what we can expect about life after marriage. This is really interesting because I think most um, couples today would think that that kind of adds pressure on the relationship, you know, even before they decide whether they should stay together already, you will go attend a marriage preparation class and that kind of um, locks you in. <laughs> you know, there's an expectation that once you attend the class, it means that you have to be headed towards marriage. Uh, but you guys actually, is, you know, saying that it's the other way around. It helps you to know whether or not you really want to embark on the relationship in the first place, right? If, if, yes. if the whole purpose is to, to be looking for your life partner, um, <laughs> And, and um, whose idea was it actually like, or was it just a mutual thing? I think it was mutual. It was mutual. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. From from experience also, you, you know, if you invest too much in a relationship and then subsequently go for the marriage preparation, you may find that it's difficult to then make the, the tough decision to say, hey, maybe we're not suited for each other. Uh, you know, so in today's context, there's so many courses out there. You know, and uh, you, you uh, couples have a lot of information available, really much easier than 20, uh, 20 plus years ago where there was not much uh, courses being run. Uh, so the only thing available was marriage prep course, you know, uh, and, uh, and so it was a good way to learn before you invest too much into the relationship. Okay, and I want to ask this uh, question that probably um, our listeners would be quite uh, curious to know right now. So when did you start working with each other? Has it always been like that? Oh, um, it went on in different periods. Um, uh, after we got married, I was working. Claire was um, uh, preparing for her bar exams. And then uh, there was this brief period where she uh, actually did a, a training with the firm that I was in. And then uh, subsequently worked there for a while. Then we went on to work at different places. Uh, it's only back in 2009 uh, that we ended up uh, working together and then we've been working together since then. Okay, so we'd like to find out what are the secrets to working together and yet at the same time maintaining a very healthy marriage. But before we get there, since that's been uh, maybe just in the last um, uh, decade of your marriage, quite a long time actually, um, maybe we start from the very beginning. So after you guys dated, decided to get married, um, you had two years of just, you know, 
each other exclusively to yeah for for each other and before before child number one came along yes that's uh, right okay could, was what could you describe like you know um what were the the changes or the challenges uh, during that period of time or was there really like what they call the honeymoon period i think the, for me if i remember correctly there were just a lot of things happening at, at all at, at uh, that that time uh, you know like i said claire was preparing for her bar exams uh, you know, I was working and uh, we, we were just throwing ourselves into a lot of activities and getting things, uh, you know, moving. I think at that time, we actually started a business as well for her dad. You know, uh, he, he's a very talented artist and uh, we started a business for him. And uh, so all these things, you know, I think I, I, Claire's the one who just leads the way in this. Uh, she gets things moving. I just go along reluctantly, uh, you know, and I get pulled into all this. And then I, you know, but it's good fun. Uh. So when I look back at this, that first two years, it's just a lot of things, different things happening at the same time. Uh, and we, I don't think we had a typical sort of, uh, you know, time by ourselves uh, because at that time we were living with uh, her parents for a while. And then uh, we were living with my parents for a while before we got our place. Uh, you know, and then her mom came to live with us, uh, you know, so uh, we're not typical in the sense that we've never had a, a house to ourselves, um, you know, just to to enjoy uh, each other in that sense, uh, you know, uh, there's always been people in the in the home and then later on baby comes along. So we've had to find our space uh, in that way, um, you know, doing the different things that we do. Uh. Yeah, well, I would say that um, the first two years was definitely quite interesting in the sense that uh, we were discovering a lot about each other. Uh, as what Boaz was saying earlier, that we didn't have a very long courtship process. And even during the courtship process, we were spending a lot of time reflecting and going through the questions and trashing out issues, you know, discussing our family of origin and doing all the stuff that um, you would learn in, in a marriage education course. And so we found ourselves only after we got married that we discovered a lot of things that we never knew about each other. Um, so it was a time of self-discovery as well as a time of discovering and having our blinders open, so to speak, you know, and realizing that, oh, you know, indeed, you know, I didn't know that uh, he's this funny guy. Uh, because during the whole time during our courtship, ironically, you know, I only saw the serious side of him. So it was only after we got married that all this um, funny part of him coming up, all his jokes, uh, you know, actually was quite surprised to me. At first it was funny, but I didn't find it so funny after the fifth time that he told the same joke. Tough crowd. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so sometimes the things that, uh, you know, you, you, it's it just can drive you up the wall. I I, I, I sympathize with Claire uh, for bearing up with it over the years. Yeah. So ironically, before we got married, we were discussing a lot of issues, like I said, you know, very seriously. It was quite intense at some points. Uh, but then after marriage, when I saw the funny side of him, then I couldn't get him to be serious at all. Then I wondered, oh, what happened to this guy who was very serious before I got married? How come he's unable to hold down on a serious conversation after marriage? And so this is when we uh, discovered going for uh, prep, which is the course that we are now master trainers in. And this is where we found that uh, there were a lot of communication skills that we, we thought or we assumed that we had, but we actually didn't have. Before marriage, 
you are eager to make things work. So obviously you will sit down with your partner and discuss things. But after marriage, somehow the fear creeps in and uh, a sense of uh, fear of rejection or, you know, we go into our own habitual style of conflict management, either withdrawal, avoidance, or, you know, we go into critical mode. And so all these things actually kind of destroyed the intimacy and eroded our sense of marital satisfaction with one another. And so it was only after my daughter was born, I would say maybe about one or two years into uh, into her early years of her life that we uh, stumbled upon this this course, this evidence-based course. And when we went for this one weekend, that's when we discovered that we actually could iron out an issue that we were arguing about for four years straight. And it was resolved in a three-day, two-night stay. I was so amazed by it. And that was what got us started on, you know, learning more about communication skills and learning how to uh, be emotionally safe with one another. We realized that we are not as harmless as we think we are. Our words Mm -hmm. can hurt, but we tend to have a blind spot about the things we say, you know, but we are very quick to receive the hurts as recipients of what our partners are saying to us. Yet, Ironically, we are the same people who are dishing out all these uh, yeah. you know, hurtful words. And then we are the ones going, what's wrong with what I said? You know, Did I say anything mm. wrong? Was that really that hurtful? And then that makes things worse because then you, you, know, you find yourself unable to apologize uh, because of our different perspectives, our personality differences. We look at things very differently. And so this is something that we had to kind of learn along the way. And, and, and really, yeah. it was quite a humbling time too in the first few years of marriage. Wow. And how did that change when, you know, kids started coming rolling along? Yeah, it was a very interesting period. I think, um, you know, suddenly all the attention is focused on on baby. Uh, baby <laughs> makes the loudest noise. Baby gets all the attention. Uh, one of the things that we always joke about is, uh, I think within the first month or even the second month of, confi- uh, you know, Claire was being at home after confinement, we realized that, you know, she's not been out at all. Uh, and uh, so she said, you know, I think I need to get out for a while, you know. And so we said, okay, um, let's go, just go for a walk, you know. Um, uh, leave baby with uh, mother-in-law was with us uh, and uh, we had a helper at that time. And uh, so let's go for a walk, but uh, let's not talk about baby. Uh, let's not talk about work. Uh, let's just talk, walk and talk about everything else except these two things. And then we realized it was a very quiet walk. <laughs> because uh, at that point, all we were talking about was about baby and uh, and uh, and then about work or, or things like that. And then we realized, wow, it's very important that in the midst of all this, we actually do spend time, um, you know, just developing other areas and being able to communicate with one another. Uh, you know, otherwise we find that there was a gap. And that, that really brought home uh, the need for us to, to maintain that uh, discussion or talking about things outside from just the day-to-day uh, mm. demands. When the kids are young, especially between zero to three years old, you know, we don't see very much of uh, the fruit of our actions or the fruit of what we say to one another in terms of our behavior because the kids are too young to tell you what they're thinking and what is the impact of your own arguments, your own discussions or the way you do things. But I found that over the years, as even as young as four or five years old, they start to be a mirror for you, you know, 
they say things which you realize, oh, that just sounds just like me, you know? <laughs> That's the kind of thing I would say. And you realize that they pick it up from you. Um, mm. You know, so they, they're watching, they're observing. And that, I would say, is from the three to six years old that we are the most conscious about our actions because we find that our kids would pick it up. Mm. Even the uh, yeah. expressions that we use, you know, they yeah. would so pick it up So there's one funny uh, situation, you know, I... At home, you know, now I call Claire, uh, mom, or, you know, in front of the kids, I say, go and ask mom this and all that. But when I was younger, I used to call her, you know, by her name. La. And then when my daughter was about two years old or almost three, you know, one day she was knocking on the door, Claire was in the bedroom, and she's knocking on the door and she's going, Claire, open the door, Claire. <laughs> you know, so she's sort of like uh, adopting the same way that I would call Claire, you know. And then we realized, oh, okay, we shouldn't use our first name uh, in front of in front of uh, Hosanna because then she's adopting what we are doing. And so that was, again, another visual for us that, uh, you know, the, the kids are actually watching us and uh, adopting how we, we you know, the, the way we react. Uh, you know, we relate to one another and that's the same thing that they adopt as well. Right. It sounds like you were locked, locked out of the bedroom a, a few times. <laughs> we won't ask why. <laughs> you know, like a Princeton show, right, Wilma? <laughs> I, I take all that to get dressed up. <laughs> so today, you know, we're talking about kids' ages and marriage stages. Um, what was the most challenging stage uh, for for your marriage? You know that you felt like you said. You know, once the kids come along, it's all about the kid, right? And and as parents, it's so easy to be uh, so absorbed with the little ones that we forget our life partner. You know, it has a, a bearing on our marriage. And um, maybe to hear from both of you, like, what would you identify as like the Maybe most challenging, or perhaps just the driest part of your or your marriage, and how old were your kids then? Okay, without uh, exception, I think both of us will say this at the same time, la, It's PSLE. Oh. <laughs> 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 Everything else we can take, okay? But PSLE preparation is uh, by far the, the the hardest and toughest. Uh, point, you know, and I think in a way it's a form of national service because uh, all the parents <laughs> that we, you know, we bond over the suffering of preparing our children for, you know, not just Claire and myself, but with other parents, we 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 share the same pain of preparing our children for, for PSLE. Uh, right. You know, it's, it's because that's where everything revolves around them. And, and mm. uh, I think prior to primary school, it's easier to get the kids to adapt to your schedule right mm. uh, although they have their routines and things like that but because they don't have to go to school you can do stuff with them you can sort of adjust uh, once they get into school it becomes a bit harder but once they hit upper primary everything seems to zero in on preparing for for PSLE and then we have to adjust to their schedule and I think mm. that was quite, quite tough la. how yeah. did it affect your marriage well, I think it really affected our marriage in terms of our personality differences, as well as our expectations uh, for our children. And the way we related to our children was also very different. It was born out of our personality differences. So basically, I like rules and order and things to be disciplined. And, you know, I, I treat my children in the same way. You know, I have high expectations for them. In fact, 
my view of love is that if you love your children, you should have high expectations. What kind of a parent would not have any expectations for the child? You know, you're like insulting your child if you were to say, I've got no expectations for you. I think that would be a complete lie. I cannot imagine any parent would look at a child and say, I don't expect you to amount to anything. I think that would be terrible. So in my view, it is like, you know, if you love your child, you want your child to believe that he or she can be uh, anything that she wants to be or wants to be and grow up, you know. And I want to tell my child that, you know, anything is possible, you know, if you set your mind to it. Whereas my husband, he is the complete opposite of me. He has a different way of loving his children. For him, it's like, I love my child for whoever that he is, you know. I love you just the way you are, you know. I play with you. I share with you. You know, I share all my interests with you. You know, I would say, you know, my, my husband's centre is fun. <laughs> my centre is responsibility. So. so it's a good balance, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a conflict because then there are times when my, my husband will say, you know, just when I'm, you know, in the middle of, intensely teaching my child something on uh, on a concept that I feel my child need, it hasn't overcome or needs to have a bit more drilling time. That's the time my husband will come into the room and say, oh, why not we have an ice cream break right now? <laughs> and I'll be like, now? But he's monitoring something different. He's, he's observing that I was getting too intense. I was probably too absorbed. I'm not seeing the intensity of my own actions. My child is more than happy to say, yay, it's ice cream time. And he gets something and leaves me staring at the book, you know, and I find myself solving the problem, <laughs> the math problem or whatever it is that I'm doing at the table. So so this is something that uh, we found really difficult to adjust, you know, and the tendency is to think very negatively about your spouse and to yeah. think that, you know, he's out to get me, you know, or he doesn't love uh, my child as much as I do, which is not true. In fact, it is equally as much love. So we do need to take a step back and be mindful and process our thoughts. No matter how angry you are or whatever the, the emotional or negative emotional vibes you're getting is coming on really strongly in you, I would say it is. it takes great self-control, but it is a much needed thing to do is to take a step back, take a deep breath and say, let me think this through. Don't open your mouth and say anything stupid <laughs> to your partner. Uh, even if you think it's rational, I've, I've, got, I've fell into that trap many times where I think, I think I'm going to say something right now. It's very rational. And then I, whatever I say ends up into a terrible argument or it creates a crisis at home. And, I, and I'm going around saying, what's wrong? I was just saying something very factual that, you know, we do have only two hours tonight to do this topic and then it's time to sleep. And so we should make full use of our time. Uh, of course, my husband has a different perspective. So there are many, many situations like that where I've learned over time that it is better to hold in, rein in what you want to say, even if you think it's rational, because a lot of times we justify saying certain things because we are in the heat of that moment. We don't even realize it, but we do need to take a step back. So for me, uh, I do a lot of journaling. And then I look back at my journal the day after. And I realize, oh, you know what? I don't feel so intensely about this as I did yesterday. I think if I were to let out what I wanted to say the day before, it would have been all hell break loose, you know. Uh, so <laughs> this is something that it's, we just have to learn. It's never going to be perfect. We do laps, but we got to keep trying and keep getting better. Yeah. I mean, I can add to that, that um, each stage has its challenges, uh, as well as each stage has its uh, blessings or or benefits or you know. Um, but 
I think the, the thing that makes it more difficult is if you don't manage your personality uh, uh, perspectives, which are different, if you don't manage it well, then it makes the stage even harder, you know. And so that is something that we learn uh, sort of like hit and miss la, along the way, how to manage this. And, and some of the courses that we went, we went for the Parenting with Confidence uh, training. That was that was very helpful, you know, the different parenting styles that sort of help us uncover some of the different approaches and which was not so uh, beneficial. And we were working towards an ideal model, not always perfectly, but at least we had some understanding of what was the best, uh, sort of the best method of parenting. And that's what we were shooting for. Um, but if you don't have that management of different perspectives and styles, then it just makes, no matter which stage you're in, it's just going to be very difficult. It's interesting. And I, I know uh, the late Dr. Gary Smalley, he wrote a book that's called um, um, Great Parents, Lousy Lovers. Yeah, and, and you know, as you were talking about your uh, your your kids' um, PSLE um, uh, stage of life, right? I'm seeing it's so easy for us, you know, to just want to excel at parenting, but yes. to the detriment of our our marriage. Yeah, and uh, I, I know you guys are you know over twenty years married, and you're, you have actually a young adult, like legally a young adult, right, in the household. <laughs> Um, are you looking forward to the day of the empty nest? And, and how, how does one prepare for such a day? Um, actually, that's a tough question. I think, uh, are we looking forward to it? I'm Yes and no. Uh, we enjoy being with our children. And I think, uh, you know, looking back that some of the, I mean, not some, a lot of the time that we spent with them, especially when they were in primary school, uh, was really very critical establishing that bond that we had with them. Uh, I find that if you neglect them during the uh, the early years, then to build the bond with them when they hit their teenage years is going to be very difficult. And uh, and so now we are actually enjoying uh, the, the time with them because we can relate to them in a different way. Uh, we can speak to them more like friends rather than as parents. Uh, the activities that we do together, um, you know, just sometimes just sitting around and having a conversation is very different from when they were younger. So this is the thing that we, I think for myself, I'm really enjoying uh, being able to talk to them in a, in a more, uh, you know, sort of like almost like a same level. And um, so looking forward to empty nest, um, mixed feelings la, for me. I, I, for me, I would say that it really starts with our perspective we do, we do need to change the way we uh, look at our spouses. And it does get harder over time, especially if conflict is not, you know, conflicts are not managed well. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to emptiness in that sense, because then I know I don't have to worry about my kids anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, I can then focus on just enjoying my spouse, enjoying and being a good companion. But I found that uh, if, if I don't practice um I would say safety in terms of the way I relate to my husband now. If I'm not careful with the words I say, if I'm not mindful of um, uh, uh, being a, having a critical spirit, for example, you know, the way I talk, then, you know, I'm not going to have a good emptiness scenario later on. So we do need to build on that. It's very important not to hold grudges and hold it for very long. So I think practices like this to continually practice forgiveness on a daily basis is important because no one is perfect. 
Uh, and so it's important, I think, as a takeaway for me is exactly like what you said, you know, we can be great parents, but lousy lovers. Uh, and so all the more we need to focus on, on what are the little things that we can do. Uh, and I would say that a small little thing we can do is just not to hold grudges. Learn mm-hmm. to see that your partner is not wrong. It's just different. I think it's really difficult for, for us because we, we are only looking at it from our perspective. So everything we see is going to be, if you're wearing blue lenses, you're going to see everything blue. No matter how many times I tell you it's yellow, you're going to see everything as blue. So, but having the understanding that, look, I'm never going to change the way I look at things. It's going to be blue. It's always going to be blue. But I can accept that there is a yellow out there and yellow is not wrong. So that would be a useful way to kind of like connect with, with, with my husband. And this is what we do all the time. I'm constantly encouraging him to share his opinions with me uh, and to share with me if he's feeling hurt. And I'm mindful that when he does share it, not to criticize him or to get offended myself. If I do feel an offense coming, I have to put it down in my journal <laughs> and tell myself for the moment, I got to save those 10 20 precious minutes that my husband gets to speak. Because <laughs> as you know, husbands always complain that, you know, the, the, the wives don't let them talk, you know. So I let him have his airspace and I think about it, process it, and then think of other ways rather than using words that I can show affection to him. This is funny because, you know, the marriage vows, right? They have the words to have and to hold. And yes. often rather than to have and to hold that commitment that we have to our spouse, we we have and hold grudges <laughs> that <laughs> we harbor over the years. Yeah, so I really appreciate, you know, your candid sharing about how to um, really get in on the issues early to hold back. I think journaling is a, a great tool of... Um, uh, to just let it all out without, you know, um, letting it out wrongly <laughs> and then taking it out on your spouse. You know, before we, we wrap up today, um, really, I focus on the family of this saying, right, that the best gift that we as parents um, can give our children is to love our spouse. You know, how do you see that has worked for your marriage? And, and, and you know, is that one big tip that, that you leave for all couples who are out there who have maybe, you know, unwittingly prioritized their parenting over their marriage? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the, the, the problem. Uh, you have to realize that like the, all the good things in, in life, uh, it takes time. Uh, it, it has to be intentional. You can't just leave it. Uh, and hope that it will happen. Uh, so in the midst of all the busyness, in fact, I was just talking to a friend uh, who's got two kids, young kids, and uh, that's exactly the thing. You know, the parenting was taking up all the time and you assume that everything is okay with your spouse, but you have to make the time, uh, connect with them, not just to solve problems, not just to deal with issues, but really uh, in the midst of it all, just making the time to enjoy each other's company. Uh, because like what Claire said, or even as you raised it just now, at some point, it's just going to be the two of you. The kids are going to leave the coop. Uh, and if you don't enjoy being with one another now, it's going to be very difficult to enjoy each other's company much later on. So mm. take the time and make the effort. It really pays off uh, in the long term. Mm, well said. Claire? I totally agree with him. Something <laughs> <laughs> so else to add. Yes. Do you, do you feel like, especially for moms, because we get so caught up, you know, in all the mothering and, and as you know, you know, for, for most Singaporean moms, they, they are working moms. Um, 
And, and sometimes we, we feel that, you know, having the husband and the equation in the fam in family life is more of a disruption than, <laughs> than an aid or a help, right? So how can, can um, wives and moms, right, uh, check ourselves? Uh, like I said, um, I think the biggest check would be our emotional venting is to remember not to vent. No matter how stressed out you might feel, there is an outlet, but the outlet is not necessarily your husband. In fact, most of the time, your husband is not to be treated as an outlet. You know, he's not your tap. He's not somebody that you run to for your emotional supply. Contrary to popular belief or what we see from Korean dramas, we think that, you know, the husband is supposed to meet all our emotional needs. To be honest, I don't think men are wired up that way for the kind of emotional connection that women are looking for. In fact, women should turn to other sisters, okay, other women, mm. to, uh, and for that kind of emotional bonding. Um, so I would say that there are other ways that we can look for bonding and for de-stressing, but to remember to treat our husbands with with great respect. They are individuals. They are persons with feelings. And we should respect them as our co-partners in life, you know, as our as the head of the house, right? And they are our team leader. And as a team member, right, uh, we may have equal rights in terms of, uh, of what we think, in terms of opinion, in terms of uh, sharing of responsibilities. But we have to be mindful not to give vent to our emotions just for the sake, we, just because we need to air it out at that point. Uh, so there's a lot of emotional EQ, I would say, you know, that, that women need to develop in that sense. Yeah, so I think it's a great trait to mm -hmm. have that kind of resilience and a sense of control. Uh, I, this might be disappointing for a lot of working women might be thinking, oh, but I do want to let it all out. Yes, but uh, we have to think about the consequences and we do have a responsibility as much as our husbands have. Uh, think about our husbands. Most of the time, they are not the ones venting out at us. Usually, it's the women who are venting out at them. Uh, and, and you know, they don't deserve that. Uh, and if we love them, we should be mindful of that. If we want to keep what we had when we're dating, then we got to do the things that we did when we were dating. Mm, well said, well said. And I, I hope, you know, today uh, for parents out there who are listening um, and you know, I, I, I hope we don't feel guilty that <laughs> we've been prioritizing, uh, obviously, our children above our spouse. Um, I, I do know a Time article um, uh, last year, they actually um, cited a research that, you know, asked people what contributes more to a happy life, you know, having the children or being married. And most people said having children. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, well said. And I, I, I really do hope that um, for parents out there that we will not just be um, great parents and lousy lovers but great parents and even greater lovers uh, yes. because at the end of the day really to have and to hold our spouse with us and to know that that in itself is a gift to our children the best yes. gift in fact that we can give to them so thank you so much uh, Boaz and Claire for you know just sharing your your life with us your your marriage journey um, your wisdom 
and also really some practical tips. Yeah, I think I might try that that journaling journaling thing and and vent it out on the the inanimate <laughs> object called the book. <laughs> I, I get very nervous when I see Claire's journals are so thick, you know, and then I'm thinking, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> I never anyway. <laughs> Have you ever been tempted to read them? <laughs> no, no, I can't handle the truth. No, no. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks so much for the time from, uh, that both of you have shared with us. And, um, you know, if for our listeners out there, if you have any other questions as a parent that we can help you with, or even if today, you know, just hearing what uh, Boaz and Claire are sharing with us to uh, building your marriage just and, and working hard at it just as hard as we work on our parenting um we'd like to encourage you you know to attend um the one of some marriage education or, or course uh, one of the many that uh, boaz and claire have uh, shared about that they have themselves attended uh, we do have a, a program called marriage builders at focus on the family and you can check that out on our website uh, at www.family.org.sg and uh, again if you have any other questions you can always also write to us at parent at that's parent with an ed at family.org.sg so thank you so much boys and claire we hope to catch up with you. you sometime in the future and and thank you everybody for listening in till next time <laughs>